Good morning, everybody. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the pastor here of Ridgeview. And just to echo what what Joel said, uh, we appreciate you guys uh, flexing with us. Um, One of the things I just have to remember in times like this is when you read throughout history of the church starting and Christianity growing, uh, most of that early on was done without uh, any buildings, without electricity, and without anything except really the power of God and the people of God coming together. And so all that to say, uh, we're kind of going back to the original things that were happening as we read uh, the New Testament and the, the Old Testament. And so what I know happens is when, when the people of God uh, show up, God, God shows up. And, and so that's what we're, we're praying today. Having said that, uh, if you feel like you have just gotten enough suntan uh, for the day, uh, you can head to that section over there in the shade. And if you just feel like I'm parched, I need some water, there's plenty of water bottles back there. And so please don't feel like you can't uh, shift around. We know in this circumstance, there's a lot of moving parts. So please feel free to get up, move, uh, get to a place uh, that's comfortable. And once again, we're we're really glad that you you guys are here. And so today we're wrapping up a series that we actually started uh, at the grand opening. And if this is your first time here at Ridgeview, we launched our grand opening on February 10th, uh, just a few weeks ago. And so we're just getting started. And it has been so fun and exciting to see what God is doing so far uh, in this church. And again, it's not uh, really all that we can see uh, based on our own power, but it's, it's really what he's doing uh, with his power. And that's, that's what God does. And so uh, we're wrapping up this series today. And what I want to do is just kind of give a brief uh, summary of what we've covered so far. And that way, if you've missed any of the weeks, uh, you'll kind of be caught up. And then also, if you were here, it will just be a refresher on uh, what we've been talking about. And so this idea of family, more or less ideal. Anytime that you want to get to the ideal of something uh, with God and his principles, you actually need to, one, turn to God, and then, two, look towards his scriptures. And so what we're going to do is just kind of highlight some of what we've been covering. But the idea is how do we get to the ideal in family life and the ideal in our relationships so that we can actually line up with the way that God says life works? Always as a Christian, when you decide to follow Christ, you now enter a new reality, what's real. And what's real is based on what has God revealed in Scripture, the truth. And if you follow God and his truth, you actually are living in reality in life that goes well. Uh, It's not perfect, but it goes well, and there's blessing, and there's peace. And if you're like me, sometimes in our relationships, specifically in family life, um, that can be where we kind of feel the most tension where we feel the most pressure, where sometimes we, we may feel the most alone. And so over the course of this series, we've been talking about how do we line up with God and experience the help that, that only he can bring. And so you'll see this beautiful TV here. It's kind of hard to see. And so on your, uh, in your program, there's a handout. And so I encourage you to, to, to follow along there. And you can take notes uh, if you want to. And if you don't have a program, uh, raise your hand and we can make sure uh, to get one for you. And so Please, if you need a program, we can get those to those that that need it. So uh, the the key question that that we've been asking uh, in this series is this. How can I help my family be all it can be? What's the role that I can play in my position in the family to help it be all that it can be? And again, usually you have where you want to be and where you are, and there's a space, there's a gap. And so how can we kind of shorten that gap from where we are to where we want to be, and how does God help us? And so 
we kicked off the series uh, in week one on the grand opening talking about God's ideal for family and really the idea of his blueprint for the family. And that was to give a place in family life that's not given to any other creation. And that is to get dominion, to manage the creation and to multiply the earth. No one was given that mandate, the great mandate that God gave to humans. And so that shaped the first family, Adam and Eve, their, their direction. And then in that, that, that dominion and that come together and get dominion and multiply the earth was also given this, this responsibility of raising godly offspring. And so we kind of started, that's the blueprint, just like in a house, you, you kind of get a blueprint and you build based on that. That's our blueprint for, for family life. And then the next week, we talked about uh, the best relationships. How can we experience the best relationships? And we spent some time talking about how we tend to run from one blocked goal to the next. We all have goals, things that we want, things that we, we actually want really bad. And what hinders our relationships is when I have a goal and you have a goal and they're not the same. Have you experienced that? And you realize that you got two people going in a different direction. And it's hard for them to get along. And so, so what, do you, what do you do with that? And so we talked about this idea of that you have to choose God's love and his kindness that he gives to us. And you can't push people. It's really easy, especially as we kind of feel like we have power over people, to push them to get them to do what we want. But what you find in Scripture is that you, you can't push. You can pull people along. You can pull people in kindness, and you can pull people and love, and that's how change and the best relationships can be experienced. Uh, week three, we talked about conflict happens. How many of you agree with that, that conflict happens? As long as I'm in a situation, there will be conflict. And the same is true uh, for you. And so we talked about the atmosphere that unresolved conflict creates. It's like a storm. It's like a fog. There's no clarity. And we talked about this, this power that you can have as you decide to follow Jesus where you can experience reconciliation, that relationships that experience conflict, forgiveness can actually reign and make a difference. And then week four, uh, we talked about killer expectations, and I showed a video of the most epic proposal ever. I don't know if there's a picture up there. You might be able to see it. It's kind of hard to see. It was a guy that was proposing to his uh, girlfriend in it was this idea of she had these expectations of how she wanted it to go, and she wanted to recreate the scene. And, and when we're honest with ourselves, we, we all have expectations, a plan for somebody else's life, right? Oftentimes, uh, we don't necessarily know where we're headed, but we definitely have a plan for others, things that we want them to do, the timeline that we want them to do it in. And so we talked about how uh, those expectations really do choke the life uh, out of that, and how do you move from those expectations to trusting God? And then last week, we talked about facing trouble together, and I shared this quote that you might be able to see, but I'll read it for you on the screen. It's a Nietzsche quote. It says, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. It's just a great statement for a pop song, but it's not actually the best to build your life on because things may not kill you, but they may not make you stronger either. In fact, things that don't kill us can make us bitter. Things that don't kill us can also make us resentful. Things that don't kill us can make us angry. And so we actually need to learn in the middle of trouble, in the middle of hard things, how do we move past it and ask God under the pressure that I'm facing, under the weight of all of life, how do I learn what God wants me to learn under the pressure? And it's in the pressure that God wants us to teach something. And that's the same with parents. As you try to teach your kids, there's pressure that happens in their life that God will use to grow them 
And our role as parents or as grandparents, and even with our friends, our role is to ask the question, what does God want to do? Not how should I rescue them? And so all of that, if you're like me, brings up all these things of, again, the ideal and then where we are. And as I hear that, I see, well, man, what I've just described is like the perfect family. And there's a feeling of which you just, how, how do we, we get there? How do we actually change? And that's what I'm concerned in my, my own life. And that's what I'm concerned with here as a church is how do we, where we are, change? And how do we take steps to move forward and, and to make progress? And so that's what we're going to talk about today, this idea of the power source. And so if you feel like you're not measuring up, and if you feel like there's just a gap between where you are and where you want to be, I hope this morning that this provides encouragement to you. Because that's actually me. That's how I feel. I feel all the time like there's this, all the things that I want to be true about my life but aren't. And I could put pressure on myself and I can force things that I want to happen. But at the end of the day, that, that, that doesn't work. And so today we're talking about the power source and how God wants to help us. And so if you're following along, that's the first point in the, the handout there, and that God gives power to Christ followers who ask for it. God gives power to Christ followers who, who ask for it. One of the things that's happening in my own relationships with my kids right now is that um, my children have things that they want to do, and sometimes they, they can't do it, and they, they struggle. And early on, it's like tying their shoe. And, you know, early on, it's maybe even getting dressed with clothes that match. Like, matching for boys is, like, very different. If you have sons, like, their idea of matching, it just, if it's clothes, and I'm wearing a shirt and a shorts, that's matching. And so just, you know, you, you train your kids, and you realize that, that there's just things that they're, they're learning. But one of the things I keep coming up against with my kids is that I can't help them most of the time unless they're asking for it. Because there's something about us that unless we're asking for help, we don't want it. Isn't that true? Unless we're asking for it, we, we tend to think people are overstepping their bounds. And even as kids, there's a sense in which, like, I, I want to do this myself. And as kids, what we do is we can kind of ram our head against the wall again and again and realize we can't do it. And as soon as we say, oh, Dad, will you help me? Mom, will you help me? Granddad, will you help me? Grandma, will you help me? Like, that's where the help comes. And the same is true with, with our Heavenly Father. We face things like trying to grow our family, trying to make changes. And what we need to do is not focus on all the space of the ideal and where we are, but, but actually turning to him and asking for help. This is what it says in Ephesians 3. If you can't see it on the screen, it's also written in your, your handout. It says, for this reason, this is Paul talking, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And so that initial prayer and that statement that he makes begins with this idea of I bow my knees before the, the Father. That, that picture of bowing your knees is a picture of surrender. And that's what God wants each of us to do. No matter where you are in your relationship with God, you may have been a Christian a long time, and he's made a deep impact in your life and in your family. You may be investigating Christianity and what it means to follow Jesus. You may be new on this spiritual journey. But wherever you are, there's a point in which where for you to grow and for you to really change, you have to surrender. 
And the picture of surrender is like somebody who bows their knee before the king. And God is the king. He's the king of all kings. He's the ruler and authority of everything. And there's a point in which we realize he has the power. He has the strength. He has everything I need to change. But until I bow my knee and say, I cannot do it myself. I cannot change me. I cannot change anyone. But God, you have the power to change. And it begins with that, that idea of he will help me as I surrender to him, as I bow my knee. And then the prayer is that you'll be, be strengthened. And, and that word strengthened means to become strong, uh, specifically like in, in your mind, to understand what's right, what's wrong, uh, the way forward, this kind of the psychology of, of thinking and to being strengthened in our minds to know where to go and how to move forward. And then he goes on saying that you'll be strengthened in your, your inner being. It's, it's this hidden person that, that no one else sees, the intellectual, the emotional, the, the spiritual aspects of all of us. And so here, here's something that happens in life, and we don't talk about it much, but I think all of us can uh, fake it. You know, we, we, we know how to put an outward appearance. Speaking of family, have you ever had, like, extended family coming, you know, over Maybe it's at a holiday, and there's just so much inner turmoil in the house, but as soon as maybe the, the in-laws knock on the door, you open it, and it's like, hi, welcome, come on in, and it's all smiles, and inside, you're just freaking out. You guys experience that? Or maybe you're in an argument with your spouse, or there's just conflict in your home, and somebody calls, and you pick up the phone, hi, how are you? I'm just, you know, I'm just doing great. And, you know, you're just fending off the child who's asking to do something. Just like, yes, how are you? You guys know what I'm saying, right? We can turn that on and off very easily. Because we know, okay, well, certain things people should see and certain things people shouldn't. And, and discretion is good. But with, with God, what he wants to do is he actually changes us to the point where we don't have to fake it anymore. And we don't have to appear like we're further along. And so that's why it begins with surrender. And as you surrender and you bow your knee, you get the strength. You get the strength to see clearly, to move forward, see obstacles. And he actually changes you on the inner person. That's where your convictions are. This is how you know God is for me. He is going to help me. There's no question of that. You have an experience and a track record with God coming through. And then in Ephesians 3.20, a few verses after that, this is what Paul says. And he says, now to him... Now, check this out. This is, this is really helpful. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. What, what that's saying there is, is in our own minds, we, we are even perplexed as to what even to ask God for. And what, what God does is he wants to give you strength in your inner person. He wants to help you at the point of your surrender beyond even what you know. And that's so helpful for me because in the middle of hard things, do you ever find that you, you just, you don't even know what to do? You don't even know what to say. You don't even know how to move forward. You're, you just feel like you're, you're just kind of spinning around like this. God, will you help me? God, will you help me just to know where to even go because I'm just getting dizzy? That's what life feels like. It can beat us up. And what Paul is saying here is, is that when you surrender, God takes that spirit of surrender, this, this idea of bowing the knee, and he will do even beyond what you even know how to ask. So again, it's not built on 
your own intelligence. You guys hear those kids? You know what? We're just going to ignore it or just try. Because I hear it too, and we just all know it's there, and we're just outside, okay? And you know what? They're hearing this too, so I'm giving a sermon to them as well. So to him, is he's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And then the next part, according to the power at work within us. So he does that, not at the power that we have. He does that based on the power at work within us, and that is God himself. And it says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So here's where I want to encourage you. At the point of surrender, it's the realization that I cannot change me. I cannot do it. It's only God's power that works within me. So when I surrender and I bow my knee and I ask God desperately for help as a parent, as a friend, as a coworker, as a boss, whatever the stewardship I have and the relationships that I have, when I bow my knee and say, God, I can't do it, I'm overwhelmed. I need your help. God leads us. And he doesn't based on our own track record. He doesn't base it on our own good. Thank goodness, because we've all messed up. He does it based on his love for us and the power that he gives us. And so what the end of this verse is saying is is that this is a generational thing. The reason family life is so important is that the decisions you make right now in your family actually have the power because of God at work to impact generations. So when I think, when my wife and I were talking about our kids and we're talking about the best way to raise them to be kids that really follow God and please him, it's not even about them. It's about them and, and their kids and Lord willing, their kids. And that's, that's what God wants to do through Christianity. He wants to lead families who lead families who lead families And that's how the world will change. Generations are impacted by people who bow the knee, getting strength and power from God himself. And so all of us today, we're linked to that. We have a role to play in the next generation. So it begins with just this idea of I'm going to turn to God and get power. But but that's that's not it. He does that. But that bowing your knee is, is the beginning of an ongoing process. And so that's really the picture of Christianity you want to know what it means to become a Christian, it's this idea of you're going your own way and you realize that you are lost, you're stuck, you can't make progress, and you are off track. God's ideal is, is over there. And Christianity is this thing of you, you, you bow down, you, you just, God, I am lost, I am stuck, I'm off track, will you help me? And to become a Christian is somebody who, who does that out of desperation. They, they bow down. God, will, will you lead me through your power and you get back on track? And here's the second point of that, once that happens. Keeping in step with the Spirit provides the power to win the battle. So when you decide to follow Christ, he gives you power. He gives you strength. He gives you direction. And he does that in our relationships. He does that in our finances. He does that with our responsibilities. Every aspect of our life, he will lead us But then every day we wake up, we have to choose to follow him. And in the scripture, that's really described as keeping in step with the spirit. When you bow your knee and you surrender to God, his Holy Spirit lives in you, God himself. 
and he begins to, to lead you. And we have a choice to keep in step with that. How many of you guys are, are dancers? All right. You're going to demonstrate, Tim. No, I'm just kidding, Tim. You're, he's ready. He's, he's stretching out, getting, getting limber. Um, you know, the, the, idea, the idea of dancing is the, the kind of the picture of, of keeping in step. But in, in a dance, you've got somebody who's, who's leading and, and, and following. And if you have people that aren't in step, it looks like a really awkward dance. Um, I think I'm in step, but I'm in my own world, according to my daughter. Like, my dancing is its own its own thing. And I'm going to spare all of you by showing you that. But the keeping in step is this idea of you're, you're following the lead and that's the Holy Spirit and you're keeping in step with it. And so in each situation, God leads you like to do this, Alex. No, don't, don't do that, Alex. No, p- pivot this way, Alex. Don't say that, Alex. Oh, you messed up that with Alex. No, you need to make that right, Alex. And it's just this kind of, okay, God, I'm just, I'm following your lead. It is a relationship and it's dynamic with the things that we face. And this is what it says in Galatians 5. This is Paul, the same guy. And he says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so he's speaking to a group of Christians who decided to follow Christ. So once you bow the knee, which this group had, and they had surrendered, which they had, and they had power that God had given them because that's promised to all those who bow their knee to God. He gives them this interesting picture. You have to still battle against this word called the flesh. And the flesh is the inner desires that we still have to want to be independent of God, to still go our own way. We all have that. And that's why Christianity is not this utopia. It is a battle, a battle that oftentimes we didn't even know we were in. Because when you're going your own way, you're not really battling. You're just doing whatever you want to do, whatever feels good. When you decide to follow Christ, you now have, in a way, two powers working within you, the power of the Spirit of God and then the power of our flesh, our, our own desires. And, and sometimes you, you see that just even in little choices. Like, I, I, I know I shouldn't say that, but I, you ever, you know, there's a situation in which you're interacting with somebody and they just, they just chap you. And there's this thing in you like, I know I should, I should keep my mouth closed, but I think this could really change their life if I said this. You ever, you ever felt that? Some of the flesh for, for each of us that I think are, are, you know, normal for us, especially in, in the West, as Americans, we value comfort. Comfort is actually not promised in Scripture. Comfort, just what feels good, uh, that's part of the flesh. If we always make decisions based on what's comfortable, we're likely not to grow. Uh, another one is, is convenience. Um, what, what's going to get me my goals the, the quickest, the easiest? And many times, if you're like me, I make much of my decisions based on what's comfortable and what's convenient. And that's the flesh at work. Now, as a Christian, it doesn't mean that you, you just choose the hardest path, but it, it means that you, you choose based on what's right and what's wrong. Another way this shows up in, is in my plan, in my way. This is the flesh. I have my plan. I have my way. This will all work out if you do my plan and my way. 
Isn't that right? That's the greatest day you can ever have is everyone does what you want. But life doesn't work like that. And that's where the flesh is at work. And so you're going to face opposition. This is going to be a battle. And if you follow Christ, it will be a battle until the day that you die. So we're not promised comfort. We're not promised convenience. We're promised a battle. But the power that God promises will help you. When you do it on on your own, uh, you're really deciding to do it on self-effort. And even as Christians, we do this. We just think like, okay, God, God's changed me, but I got this. I, I, can, I can make the difference. I can fix the situation, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else. All of us, when it comes down to it, I think natively just want to do things on our own, by ourselves, independent, based on our own power. But in this realm to change, ultimately, we, we have no power. We, we, can't, we can't change. The reason we can't change is the Scripture describes us as, you know, we're spiritually, we're dead. How far can dead people jump? It's kind of morbid, but not that far. When you're dead, there's no movement. And that's what we are spiritually. We're dead, and the only change that comes is through the Spirit, which gives life. And so as we keep in step with this spirit and we follow God moment by moment, this is where the change comes. There's a picture on here of a, a mud bog. It's, it's just black up there. But trust me, it's muddy. And it would have just, it would have put the whole point together. But instead, picture, uh, if you've ever been on a grassy field and all of a sudden you walk in that first step, your shoe is just under mud. I've done that. I've only had one pair of white shoes, and the first time I wore it, I stepped in a mud bog, and I had black shoes. That wasn't funny. I thought that was kind of funny, but it's the sun. You know, it's getting us. But, but the idea of, of when you step in mud, uh, you know, you, you can't really move, and really deep mud to the point where, like, your shoes are under. You're just, and that, that's what self-effort looks like. It's this picture of you are trying to move, but you're, you're walking in, in mud. That's the picture of, of self-effort. So for my own life, I was thinking through, what are, what are some ways that I can remind myself that I might be in the flesh? Because sometimes, because it's a battle, I don't even realize that I'm no longer relying on God's power. I'm, I'm on my own, but I don't realize it. Like, I'm, I'm off here. I'm trying to do it myself, but I don't know. So I thought just with my own life, what are the ways that the Spirit of God kind of reminds me. Some alarms go off within me. And so see, see if, if you face any of these. Um, mounting frustration. If you experience frustration and it just, you're frustrated and then you're frustrated that you're frustrated and then you're frustrated about that and you just get to the point like, ah! you ever make that noise in a week? Ah! A lot of times that's, that's the flesh. It's these things that you want to happen that's not happening according to what we want. And Sometimes the, the flesh is at work there. Resentment. You, you resent somebody, and sometimes for no apparent reason. You just you resent them for who they are or for the position that they have. And deep down, you kind of wish that you had it, or they have a status that you want, or they have the life that you want. Resentment oftentimes is an alarm that goes off. Uh, anger. Do you ever just, just go off in anger and you think, where did that come from? just out of nowhere. 
oftentimes that's that's the flesh. Um, if you're if you're married, and this can be especially true of of husbands, but husbands, if if you're short with your wife or harsh with your wife, and you get to, or with your kids, and you get to the point everyone's just don't wake the bear, you know, like just everyone's walking on eggshells. A lot of times, that that's kind of a good uh, reminder for me that I'm I'm in the flesh. If you're withdrawing from people, you don't want to be around people. You don't want to face people. You don't want to be near people. Oftentimes, that, that could be a good signal. Nagging, I'm not going to have you raise hand, but if you're a nagger, oftentimes it's you have a plan for people's life. And the plan that you have is oftentimes rooted in the flesh, and you want them to do what you want them to do. Complaining, any of you guilty yet? Because this is me. This is, I just thought for myself, but aren't these so normal? This is the battle I'm describing, complaining. When I drive, if, if I had a video of my own reactions that played back to me when I drove, do you know how embarrassing that would be? Or if I showed it right here on the screen, I would just leave. Thank you guys for coming. I'm now going to hide. But even with driving, just my complaining, the way I can get to people, uh, if you're critical... You walk in a situation and all you can see is what's wrong, what needs to be fixed. And then another one that we don't think about, but this is the flesh, it's gossip. We have a problem against somebody, but we get a lot of gratification talking to another person about the problem we have with somebody else. Because it's power that we have. We have power to share a piece of information that we shouldn't share. All of that is the flesh. And this is a battle. Not about you, but I need the power of God because everything I just listed, I'm guilty of. Yesterday, I was, I was reminded of this with, with my son. I was, I was very frustrated at him. Like, he, he, was, he was really bothering me. And you may get to the point where there's people that you love, and you can get so frustrated with the people that you love deeply but they can just frustrate you. And I raised my voice with him, and I was, I was harsh with him. And I was so frustrated that I just let my mouth open and words come out, and I was no longer walking in the spirit. I was walking in the flesh. And in my, my core, what I wanted to do is I wanted to put him in his place. And I wanted to control him. I wanted him to do what I wanted him to do. And I felt adamantly about it to the point where I raised my voice and as I heard myself say it, it's actually embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing hear the way that I, I reacted. And I just saw his face and I, I let him have it. And so this battle is not a matter of, of if that we're going to mess up. It's, it's, it's a when. But the way that you get the power back is not beating yourself up. It's not thinking that you cannot change. It's going back to bowing the knee. And so for me, I realized I'd blown it. It took me a few minutes because I was still so frustrated. And it was like haze over reality. And then after a little bit, the haze lifted, the frustration in, and I realized, you know, I, I really blew that. I blew past some boundaries of doing what's right towards my son. 
And so I, I went to him. I said, son, I, I was harsh with you. I was, I was angry at you. Will you forgive me? And so I, I share these things to you, not out of me having this figured that, figured out. But in that moment, what he did was, Dad, I, I forgive you. And he forgave me. And even before that, I confessed it to God. And it was, God, I, I blew that. Will you forgive me? So the picture of this, this power and this strength comes when you confess and you just tell God, I, I blew it. I went from bowing my knee to getting up and going my own way. Will you forgive me for that? And then you make it right with the people that, that you've wronged. And if you confess and you stop and you go back down on your knees and you surrender, God will use you in the lives of people especially those closest to you, because they know that you blow it. Isn't that what's so hard sometimes about families? They see everything. They see our worst. People that we love the best see our worst, and we see theirs, and it's such a battle. But I I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, you can change. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter, matter what you've done, the experiences that you had. God can change you, but it begins with you bowing your knee, asking him for help. And then when you mess up, going back to him, confessing it, making right. When you make a mess, you, you, you clean it up. And again, he pulls us with his cords of kindness and his love. And that's how we change. So I want to encourage you, wherever you are, I know if you're like me, there's so many glaring things about you that you wish were different. And there's probably a lot about other people that you wish were too. You don't have the power to change you, but if you turn to God and you surrender to him, he will change you and he will use you in the lives of people. So I want to wrap up with some next steps. So if you could take out your connection card and finish filling that out. As Joel's had in that, the band's going to come up here and get ready to lead us again. The first next step, um, you can write this on there. There's the sign me up section of the connection card and then the um, next step section. So the the first one is stop working to change and surrender to God's spirit. There's a part of us that think I need to get a little further along before I can bow my knee or I need to kind of fix some things before I can turn to God. Again, the only fix and the only change comes after. You have to surrender first. And so the first first next step, you may just want to write, I just need to surrender and if you've never decided to follow Jesus as the boss of your life, um, there's a place as well on uh, Send Me Info, and it says, Send Me Info About Following Jesus. And if you'd like to know what it means and how to bow your knee and surrender to him, uh, you can mark that. So that's the first next step. Uh, the second next step is uh, to sign up for a meetup. Uh, we had a couple hosts that mentioned those, and there's some more in there. One of the biggest things God wants to do is put you in a community with people, and that's why we're starting this church. Uh, We're creating a a new community, and we do that with the people that God brings. And so I encourage you, look at a meetup and sign up for one or two that 
that can help you begin to relate to people and get to know people. And then the next one is uh, Come Back Next Week. And I'm starting a, a new series, and it's called Text. And I don't know if you could see that. Can you see that? It's pretty hard to see. Uh, but it's, it's text, and it's actually a series that we're going to spend three weeks on the Bible. And we're going to be uh, looking at these things, the history of the Bible. We're going to look at answering the question, is the Bible reliable? How is it something I could actually trust? And then the third is, is how uh, to study the Bible for, my, for myself. How do I actually get into it to gain things from it? And so we're going to spend three weeks on that. And then after text, uh, we're going to have Palm Sunday uh, the week before Easter. And so I just invite you back. It's fun to see what God's doing in our church, and, and we really want you to be a part of that. So let's pray, and then we're going to receive our offering. The ushers will come, and then we're going to sing a song back to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the love that you give to all of us, and you extend it, and your arms are open to us. You are ready to lead us. God, I pray that we will bow our knee and follow you as our king. But not only are you our king, but you're our father. And you want to change us and use us in ways that can impact generations. We can't do that ourselves. We can't do that because of our flesh, but we can because of the power of that you give to us when we follow you. So God, I just pray for anyone here that's just feeling alone and weak and under it, that you will give them a picture of the strength and the power that you give as we surrender. And I pray if there's anyone here that's just frustrated and overwhelmed, that you'll draw near to them to know that you are ready to lead them forward in kindness and in love. So God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather. We thank you for your word which gives us direction and help in everyday life. We praise your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.